This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Guys, we're going we're gonna to go back in in just a moment, back into our Life of Worship series. And we're going to go back into worship at the end. And uh, we're going to have an extended time of worship this morning. And guys, I encourage you to open yourself up and be ready for whatever the Lord challenges you with today. I encourage you today, not just to leave this place different than you came, but to put all the things we've talked about for the last 10 weeks, to put them into action, to put them into practice. I encourage you as we have an extended time of worship here in just a few minutes, to step out of your comfort zone and do something you don't normally do. Stretch yourself in your expression of worship and praise to him because how many of you know that he is worthy? He's worthy of it all, amen? You guys are a little quiet this morning, a little too quiet. You're going to have to wake up. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But guys, if, uh, if, if you're here with us this morning and it's your first time, we thank you so much for visiting Church of the Harvest. Thank you so much for coming and being a part. Uh, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, it's always a privilege um, to have folks come in and to join us uh, because we're just a family. We're a family that loves the Lord and, and we love gathering together and we love worshiping, worshiping Him corporately and we love every time somebody else comes in and joins us and says, I want to be a part and so, uh, again, to all you guys at Rolling Hills Apartment Complex joining us live this morning in the clubhouse, we thank you for being a part. And I, as I always do, I encourage you not to be a spectator, but be a participator. Be all in this morning because the Holy Spirit is there and he's just as strong right there as he is right here right now. And he wants to touch you right where you're at this morning. And so we welcome you. We thank you so much for, for being here and being a part. We do ask everybody every week to fill out our connection form. And uh, it is online. We don't pass out cards anymore. Uh, incredibly, we we find out we get more responses when we're doing it online than we did with forms. And my wife loves that she doesn't have to uh, record all those forms every week anymore. And so uh, quite a process. And so, um, so we ask everybody, if you would fill out the connection form, you see the link on the screen. If you're watching online, you got the link on the live stream there. Please fill that out. Let us know who is here. If it's your first time, let's just get a little, little information from you and and we'll send you a little something and give you a call, let you know how much we appreciate it. And, and, uh, and if you enjoy your time here at Harvest and you really felt the presence of the Lord, he's drawing you here, then we'll give you some next steps in, uh, in joining us as well. There's also a place in that connection form for prayer requests. And we have a prayer team, uh, a nice size prayer team. And they, every week they're praying over every request that comes in on those connection forms. And every week we see the Lord answering prayers. And so we encourage you to please take advantage of that. Whether you're here in person, whether you're watching online, fill out that connection form, put down your prayer requests, and allow us to stand and agree with you. How many of you know that God answers prayer today? I'm so glad that we don't worship a God that's a little figurine that sits on a shelf. I'm glad we don't worship a God that's dead. Our God is alive. Amen? And he is active, and he wants to be active in every part of your life. So thank you so much. Um, and guys, I'm, I'm going to jump right on into the message here in just a moment, but I want to remind you as I'm going to do a little bit of a recap, and we, we talked a little bit about how worshipers live a life of generosity, right? Love gives, and our Father demonstrated that by giving first, did He not? And so, guys, I encourage you today to, uh, to give your tithes and your offerings, and we do so cheerfully, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cheerfully. Guys, I'm thankful that 
we are a family of believers. We're a gathering of believers that love to give. And it's amazing what you guys are able to do. For a church gathering of our size, it's amazing what the things we're able to do and the amount of lives we're able to impact because you guys are faithful in your giving of your tithes and offerings to the Lord. And, and uh, I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit more here in just a few minutes. But, uh, but I will tell you, you can see on the screen the ways to give. You can give by text. You can give. Most people are giving online now. You can see the link right there in the middle. And then we also, in person, uh, we have um, boxes on the back walls next next to each of the doors. And uh, if you're writing, giving by cash or by check, you can drop that in those those boxes on your way out. Sound good? Amen. Will you guys give the worship team a hand as they take a break for a few minutes? (laughs) They will be back. And so... um, so guys, um, I, I want to encourage you too. Uh, we've got a pretty good crew on the live stream this morning. I encourage you guys, if you're, if you're um, here in person or you're watching online, to please share the live stream on Facebook and YouTube. We always see the live stream numbers jump when, uh, when you guys jump in and, uh, and share the live stream as well. But guys, um, I would say again, welcome to Harvest. We are just a small expression of the body of Christ. We love our Father and we want to be just like him. So we choose to love people and to serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? If you're part of the Harvest family, what is our vision? And we accomplish that through? That is what we're all about, guys. So we are in a series called what? A Life of Worship. Guys, how many of you know that worship is not a 30 or 45 minute or an hour period of time during a church service where we sing songs? We tend to think that's what it is. We seem to kind of bring it down to that level. But how do you know that worship encompasses so much more than that? Worship is so much, something so much deeper than that. And the reality is worship isn't so much something you do. A worshiper is who you are. You were created to be loved by God and to be a worshiper of him. And so that's what we've been talking about. Now, this is week 10. You know, I always wondered about pastors who didn't know when to cut their series off. I think, I feel like it's about time to wrap it up, okay? But, um, so, so today's, today's going to be a little bit of a recap. I want to go back and I want to talk a little bit about what we've talked about in the last nine weeks. And like I said, I want us to go into an extended time of worship at the end. I want to have a time of ministry at the end of the service. But I wanted to end with one more thing. And you guys know that, that every week for the last nine weeks, I've given you the quality of a worshiper, right? A worshiper lives a life of uplifted hands. A worshiper lives a life about it. We talked about all these different things, right? I'm gonna, this is gonna be pretty brief today because I wanna give time at the end. But the very last one I wanna give you today is a worshiper lives a life ablaze. Everybody say, worshiper lives a life ablaze. I want to talk about that for just a few minutes. Because guys, I don't know about you, but I can't make it through this life without the fire of God burning inside. And it needs to be burning hot. And we've all been there at times when we've allowed that fire to burn down to embers before, haven't we? And we've recognized that we've got to stoke the flame. And get it burning again. And so if we talk about, I mean, what a Christianese term. He's so on fire for God, brother. Okay, but we know what we're saying in that, right? On fire for God. What does that mean? What do we mean when we say that? We talk about the fire of God blazing inside. Well, I first want to talk about the opposite. What's the opposite of being on fire? 
lukewarm. Talk about being lukewarm. So guys, I'm going to jump to Revelation 13, 15. You guys, most of you know this verse. Uh, if you are following along, you can follow along on the Version Bible app. If you open the Bible app on your phone, um, you can hit more and hit events and all the notes will open up there and you can follow along through that. But like I say, you guys know this, but, I want, but listen, I want you to really listen and, and, and understand that through this series, through this message today, I want you to examine your own heart and your own life. We've talked about a lot of things for weeks. My question for you is, how ablaze is the fire inside of you? Revelation 13, 15 says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. How many of you have ever been at the place as a believer, as a Christ follower, where you got a bit lukewarm and this scripture kind of scared you a little bit? I have. Where this scripture made me nervous. And I, why? Because I recognized that I was lukewarm inside. The Passion Translation says it this way. I know all that you do. How many of you know, as much as you may try to hide it, as much as you may try to put on a facade and a mask, he knows all the things that you do. He said, I know all that you do, and I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. How I wish that you were either one or the other. He's saying, pick a side already. But because you are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That has made me nervous before in my life because I recognize my lack of, of fervent passion for the Lord. How many of you have been there before? Guys, here's what I've recognized about lukewarm believers. Lukewarm believers are usually are lukewarm. It's one of two things has happened. Either they've kind of fallen away in their fellowship. I'm not saying they're not a believer anymore. But remember how we talked about the difference between relationship and fellowship? Your kid can do something that really ticks you off and dishonors you. But there's still relationship. But there's fellowship that needs to be restored, right? Sometimes we need to restore fellowship with the Lord. And so that's what I'm saying. I believe sometimes one of two things. Either the person who is lukewarm has fallen, <clears throat> fallen in fellowship. And, so, and, and many times it's slowly and it's in such a way, it's so slowly over time that many times we don't even recognize our own complacency. Or number two, a person is still trying to figure out how to get the best of both worlds. How many of you have been there as well? One foot, in the king, one foot in the kingdom of the world, one foot in the kingdom of God, trying to ride the line. Doesn't work real well, does it? In both cases, what ends up happening is we introduce a level of deception and confusion that ends up damaging in our life. And a lot of times it ends up affecting those around us as well. Lukewarm Christianity teaches us that compromising our faith is acceptable. Does that not sound like much of the church today? Making excuses for compromise? Instead of standing for righteousness, lukewarm Christianity encourages Christ followers to remain neutral. Somehow in the world, neutrality sounds like a good thing. Like, oh, I'm, I'm neutral. I'm not, I'm not taking a side. I'm, I'm, I'm neutral. Here's the problem, guys. When the body of Christ becomes neutral, the body of Christ becomes ineffective. We don't have the luxury of being neutral 
as followers of Christ. In addition to that, what we end up doing is relinquishing our power and authority that's been given to us to those who wish to change the standards of righteousness to fit their own agendas. And we're seeing that happen every single day. And unfortunately, it seeps into the church. The lukewarm church aids the enemy in his mission. And the problem is when we get to this place, when the Lord does reach out to convict us and correct us, we reject his hand of correction. And we reject his voice. But we, we believe that we are sufficient in and of ourselves. I just started making a list and I began thinking of my own life and the things that kind of led to being lukewarm. You become lukewarm when your reverence for God fades. I think we struggle with that sometimes, coming flippantly into the presence of the Lord. We haven't prepared ourselves at all. We just come running in because it's our Sunday duty maybe. And we go on living the rest of our life, the rest of the week, the way that we want to. That's a loss of reverence for God and for his presence. You become lukewarm when you allow your love of God to fade. You become lukewarm when compromise becomes routine in your life. You become lukewarm as a Christian when you allow pride to begin to get a foothold in your heart. You become lukewarm when you begin taking credit for things in your life instead of pointing to him with thanksgiving. You become lukewarm. I just kept on going. Other signs of being lukewarm. You're content without him. You're content without Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. I do. But you spend no time with him. You spend no time in the word. You spend no time in prayer. You don't spend any time serving or doing anything for him. You're wrapped up in your own, your own agenda all week long. You run in and do your Sunday morning duty and you go home. Back to life. You ignore, the te you ignore teaching and correction. You don't allow others to speak into you. Firstly, the Word of God. Secondly, the Holy Spirit. How many of you know there's other, other people the Lord speaks to you through as well? Men, the Lord wants to speak to you through your spouse. You know, how many of you have heard this voice of God through your spouse before? The Lord wants to speak to you through your friends, through the community group, through your church, your pastors, whatever it may be. The Lord wants to speak to you. But a sign of being lukewarm is you ignore that. You ignore it. And because and, uh, a lukewarm believer is not teachable. They don't accept correction. You know you're lukewarm when you would rather remain neutral than live set apart. A lukewarm Christian will run from the responsibility between choosing between righteousness and godly morality. And what will they do? They'll fight to create a middle ground when there's not one. How do you know that sometimes there is no middle ground at all? It's black and white. You know that you're lukewarm when you begin to voice your, uh, you use your voice to advocate for your opinions, even when your opinions run contrary to God's standards. You know you're getting lukewarm when your confidence lies in your possessions or your connections or your influence instead of him. You know you're lukewarm when you expect God to conform to the will of people rather than encouraging people to conform to the will of God. That's running rampant in our society today. Unfortunately, it's running rampant in the church as well. What God has spelled out clearly, the lukewarm Christian will begin to pervert, will begin to explain away.
and will allow society to begin to alter and redefine. Just like we see uh, the redefinition of, 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 of marriage, of, of gender identity, even some aspects of social justice and reformation, these kind of things where you willingly conform to others and what others are saying rather than conforming to what the Word of God says. We talked last week about standing for what is right. How do we know what is right? It's spelled out so clearly in the Word of God. Guys, we must, we must burn red hot for God. We cannot be lukewarm. We can't veer to the left or the right. And as his fire burns within us, we will be passionate. And we will be empowered to navigate this life victoriously, prospering. And not for our own benefit, but to fulfill the purpose that he has placed within us and to accomplish his will in the earth. You will become ineffective as a believer if the fire of God is not blazing within your heart. There is little he can do to use you if you choose to be lukewarm. How many of you would agree that the church in America needs revival? How many of you would agree that the church in America needs awakening? But understand this, guys. Many times we pray and we're begging God to do something. I know people who have spent 30 years in their prayer closet praying for revival but not doing anything else. Let me tell you, I believe that's error. Because here's the thing that I want you to understand. I don't believe that revival is something that God does. See, a long time ago, when Jesus died on the cross, what were the last words he spoke? It is finished. And when he spoke the words, it is finished, God did everything for humanity that he could possibly do. End of story. He's like, I've done it. I've done it all. It's all done. It's kind of like he threw the ball to us, said, ball's on your side of the court now. What are you going to do? The prophet Joel said, the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, right? Guys, you recognize that happened in Acts chapter 2, correct? Some people act like they're waiting on that to happen. Oh, when's it going to happen? When's the spirit going to be poured? It's been poured out. It's being, it's an endless supply, by the way. We act like it was a dump, like pff, done. No, it's constantly being poured out. There's no end. It was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. And we reap the benefits of it today, if we so choose. God, guys, we are not waiting on God to do something new in the earth. You know, every time we pray that, you know what we're doing? We're putting all the responsibility on him, taking it off of ourselves and we're putting it on him. Oh God, just do something new. He's done everything he's going to do. That's why... <laughs> Do you understand that he's not specifically, he doesn't have a little filter where he's pouring out more of his spirit on this one and less on this one. More on you and less on me and whatever else. It, it's, that's not the way that it works. That's why, like, you can be, how many of you have been in a, in a, in a service before that, the, man, that the, the, the Holy Spirit is moving in a obvious, manifested way, powerful as can be? How many of you have been in that place before? Undeniable that God was moving in the place. Is that because he chose to pour out more spirit on that meeting than the next gathering down the road? I don't believe so at all. I believe that 
In those places where we see that, people have been putting in their time. They've been spending time in God's presence. They've been fasting and they've been praying. They've been setting themselves apart. And when they come together in those times of, uh, when they come together in worship, they're drawing on the anointing. They're pulling on it. They're hungry. They're seeking, uh, uh, they're, they're pressing in and they're seeking new levels in the spirit. And he moves. Basically, they've given freedom for him to move in their hearts and lives. And here's the thing, those levels in the spirit are available to all of us right now. But some folks would rather sit back and pray for a mass revival. It's available right now, guys. The question is, how badly do you want it? How willing are you to put in the time to seek him and to get into his presence and to spend time with him? Allow him to touch you and to fill you up. Guys, I don't believe that revival is something that we're supposed to beg for. When we pray for revival, what we really should be praying is that believers' hearts would be opened and they would be awakened to the fire of God in their life. That way, we're putting the responsibility back on ourselves, right? We're acknowledging the finished work of the cross. His spirit has been poured out. We have access to his fire, and he freely offers it to us. The question is, are we willing to do what it takes to receive? Are we willing to put away the things that are hindrance between us and him? Guys, do you want to see revival in your family? Do you want to see revival in your church? Do you want to see revival in your community? I would say it starts with you starts with you. You got to take responsibility. You choose to be revived and you can do it. Uh, the example I thought of in this was how many of you like me, put myself in here, remember a time in your life when you could never get up out of the bed and be on time for anything? Any of you like that? I was like that for a long time until <laughs> I met my wife. I know people that say, I, I, I'm sorry, I just can't get up. I just, I, my alarm, I snoozed through it nine times and, and I just, I, I just, you know, I just, my body would just not allow myself to get up. But if you're like me, you get to the place where you get in trouble enough times, you break your word enough times, you frustrate and anger people enough times, you get written up at work enough times that you finally man up, Right? And you stop excusing, oh, the volume of my alarm clock wasn't loud enough. And I'm, you know, and I was just too. And you recognize that you have the ability to wake yourself up. You might have to drink a gallon of coffee. You might have to take a hot shower or a cold shower. I don't know. Whatever it takes for you. But you recognize that you have the ability to wake yourself up and to get yourself moving and do what needs to be done. Right? Some of y'all are like, that's still me. You have the ability to awaken yourself. So my word to you today is stoke the flame and be awakened. Stop allowing the enemy a foothold in your life in areas of compromise. Get into his word. Spend time in his presence. Put in the time and seek him. And the spark that he gave you will become a flame. Stir up the fire. And by the way, it's contagious. When we're awakened and revived, you begin to see it affecting all the people around you. It spreads quickly. When you allow the Holy Spirit to touch your life, you will never be the same. And neither will those around you. 
Overcoming lukewarmness will encourage you, will challenge you, to, because it will require you to set your will to give up some things that you've become very accustomed to in your life. So, let me give you a few things here. A few ways to begin to stir the fire, to stoke the flame within you. Firstly, here's what I would say. Just acknowledge your need for him. Guys, I think part of the reason that we don't see more signs and wonders and miracles, especially in America today, is because the Lord's the very last one we turn to. Something happens in our life. We've got, as Americans, we have a hundred different places to turn before we stop and seek the Lord on the matter. We've got to recognize our need for him. We talked about this a few weeks. You are never called to be independent and self-sufficient. We are called to be completely dependent upon him. We've got to trust him. Another one, number two, become a diligent student of the word of God. Guys, everything that God has for you, the answer to every single question is clearly prescribed and laid out in the Word of God. People say, well, the Word was written a long time ago, and it doesn't speak to the things that I'm dealing with today. Yes, it does. That tells me that you need to dig into it. It may be worded a little differently than what it looks like in your life right now, but every answer is in there. You've got to become a diligent student of the Word of God. Nextly, number three, value and desire the wisdom and counsel of the Lord. Guys, we cannot be one of those, we cannot be a person, a believer that is not teachable. We can't be one that resists correction. We've got to be teachable. We've got to desire and value the wisdom and counsel of the Lord. And that does firstly come through the word. And it comes through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it does come through our spouse. It does come through the leaders that God has put into our lives. We've got to desire and to value that. Next one, make choices to protect and honor your relationship with him. We talked about a few weeks ago, this is what I was just talking about, about not giving the enemy a foothold. Ephesians 5.3 tells us not to allow even a hint of sexual immorality or impurity or greed or anything like that because those things are improper for God's holy children is what it says. Impurity gives the enemy a foothold and when the enemy gets a foothold in your life, you become numb to the voice of God. You become numb to his touch in your life, and you become lukewarm. Next one, spend time in the Lord's presence. We just talked about this. Guys, every single day of your life, you need time to get away from the voices and the noise. I don't know about you, but the voices and the noise can be overwhelming to me. The voices and the noise of life. You need to have a place where you can separate yourself from that. You need to be able to sit in his presence, to feel his love, to feel his heartbeat, to hear his voice. That's where you'll put in the time. I encourage you, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Begin to pray in your prayer language. These things will build you up like nothing else will. Next one, model righteousness and love through the example of Jesus. We talked about this last week. Jesus' command at the Last Supper, he said, Love others as I have loved you, right? That is our one command as followers of Christ. And let me tell you, if we fulfilled, as the church, if we fulfilled that one command, that one command would change the whole world. We're to follow the example of Jesus regardless of what comes our way, regardless of how we're treated, regardless of what happens. We follow the example of Jesus and we love as he first loved us. 
In closing, I'm going to give you, I wanted to review right quick what we've talked about when it comes to a life of a worshiper. And here's what I want you guys to do because we've been talking about this for 10 weeks now. And we've had extended times of worship at the end. But I really want to press in here for a little while today. I'm going to wrap it up here in just a couple of minutes. I know I'm 25, 30 minutes early. But we're going to really press in to his presence. And I want you to examine your heart through this. And I, I say it every week. I ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? Where's the areas that, where, where I need improvement in my life? Where am I lacking in these things? And some of you, you, you need to put action to it today. You need to take some, some, some calculated steps and you need to move forward. But let's talk about, right quick, I want to do a recap. We talked about week one, we started at worshipers live a life of uplifted hands. We, we read from Psalm 63, 4, said, he says, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. And we talked about how uplifted hands represent our surrender to Christ, but ultimately our victory in Christ. And so we need to live a life saying, Lord, I will bless you as long as I live. And we do it with our hands lifted high. And that should be the posture of our heart and the posture of our life every day, no matter where we go and no matter what we're doing, living a life of uplifted hands. God, I will bless you as long as I live. We too, we talked about worshipers live a life of generosity. Romans 5, 8, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Love gives. That's what God does. That's what Jesus demonstrated. Love loves to give. And we talked about that in every area of our lives. We don't hold on too tightly to anything that we've been given. We freely give because he first freely gave to us. We talked the next week, we talked about worshipers live a life with their hearts poured out in sincerity. Psalm 62, 8 says, trust him at all times, you people, pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge. Guys, we are to worship with honesty and transparency and integrity. Sincerity, transparency, because here's the thing. I, I said this a little while ago. We've gotten good, especially in the American church, at, to putting on a, we, we know how to walk into church. We know how to walk into a time of praise and worship, and we know how to respond. We know how to act. We've got to be sincere and transparent and honest, pouring out our hearts to the Lord. Worshipers live a life bowed down. We talked about Matthew 2. This is where the wise men come, to, G, come, come to, to see the baby G. Actually, he was about two years old. They came to see him and it says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshiped him. He was two years old, guys. He hadn't even laid down his life yet. How much more should we bow our lives down before him? When we recognize who he is and what he's done, we recognize that our only reasonable service is to live a life bowed down before him. There's some of you, as we go into worship here in a few minutes, you're going to feel the Lord nudging. You're just, you, you need to come down front. You need to put your nose to the carpet. And you need to say, Lord, less of me and more of you. I'm done with being all that. I'm done with being the man. You're the man. You're the one. We talked about Aaron taught, uh, worshipers live a life of excellence. Talked about Daniel. Said, then this Daniel was preferred above all the presidents and princes. Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to put him over the whole realm. 
Excellence sets you apart. It's the denial of the flesh. It's driven by love, and it's ultimately a choice. Why? Because we do all things in this life as a worship to honor God. And so everything we put our hand to, we do with excellence. We recognize that it's a sacrifice of praise coming before the Lord. As you're you're at work, as as you're studying as a student, whatever it may be, we do it with excellence. We talked about worshipers live a life that is true. John 4, 23, yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. We talked about that, that God is worship, looking for true worshipers. And we talked part of what, about what that looked like. We talked about worshiping God with reverence and with awe. We talked about worshiping him with abandon. We talked about worshiping him in intimacy. We talked about Worshippers live a life of extravagant love. John 13, 35, Jesus said, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're, our true follower, that you're my true followers. We talked about extravagant love forgives. Extravagant love serves others. Extravagant love does not isolate itself, but communes and fellowships with others. Two weeks ago, We talked about worshipers live a life of service. Pastor Shauna taught this. We submit our will using our time, our talent, our treasures to do as he pleases because of our love for him. We live to serve. And then last week, the last one, I talked about worshipers live a life of devotion to a different kingdom. How many of you know that Jesus did not come to inherit a kingdom? He did not come to upgrade a kingdom. He came to establish a brand new kingdom. What do we say? Upside down, end of the line, others first kind of kingdom, where the king lays down his life for his subjects, not requiring his subjects to lay down his life for him. He lays his life down for his subjects. A king who came and said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. A king who constantly rejected the attitudes and the tones and the postures and the approaches of the kingdom of this world. Talked about Philippians 2.14. Paul said, do all things without complaining and disputing, arguing that you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights to the world. What did I tell you guys last week? Go shine. Somebody posted that online. Go shine. That's what we're called to do. Be salt and light and shine like Jesus. And then that's what I leave you with in this series is worshipers live a life ablaze. And I would ask you to evaluate these areas of your life. What does the fire of God look like in your heart today? Because here's the thing. If you keep it burning hot, you won't have to keep praying for revival. Right? And the fire that he's placed within you will provide the spark for your family, for your church, and for your community. It starts with you and me. We take responsibility and we choose to be who he's called us to be. We choose to be the flame. I want to invite the worship team up. Guys, we're going to press in. I invite you guys to stand up with us this morning. Guys, maybe you need revival. 
Maybe you need to be awakened. Let me tell you firstly, you know the best place to start? The best place to start is always repentance. Lord, I repent for being complacent. I repent for being lukewarm. I repent for all the things I've put before you. I repent for settling for so much less than your best. I repent for caring about what other people think. I repent for having, putting my way before your way. Guys, every revival we see in history, all, the great awakenings, all these different things, they started with repentance. People bowed their face before the Lord and repented. And the fire of God began to blaze. Ask the Lord today to help you to stoke the flame. If you're a follower of Christ, there's an ember, there's a flame there. Y'all just close your eyes for just a moment. Forget about everything else going on. Allow yourself to sense and to feel his presence right now. Just breathe it in. Just take a deep breath. I want to put that last slide back up. Leave it up for a minute. Guys, I want you to evaluate your heart and life. These are the things that we've been talking about. Where are you? You want to see change in your family? You want to see change in your marriage? You want to see change in your community? Become a true worshiper. Recognize that it's who you are. It supersedes what you think your identity is in so many different areas. We've talked about that. Before you're a husband and a father and a plumber or whatever you may be, first and foremost, you're a worshiper of the Most High God. Everywhere you go, in every area of life, everywhere you step your foot, you're recognized first and foremost as a worshiper of God. I'm going to invite you guys, as we press into a little bit of worship, I'm going to, any one of you that feels convicted, you feel that you want more, I'm going to invite you to come down. I'm going to ask our leaders, see our uh, pastors, elders, I know we have several of uh, the elders out today, but our pastors, elders, senior leaders, uh, I'm going to ask you guys just to come on down. You guys can be on, on the front or in the sides. I'm going to ask you guys to come on down and, and be ready to pray with folks. And, and guys, listen to me, if, if, if you... If you recognize that you need the fire of God, you need the fire of God burning and blazing in your life and you're ready, you're ready to open yourself up and to receive it, I'm gonna encourage you, and you can start right now. I want you to come down to one of these and say, I need the fire of God burning and blazing in my life right now. Hey, right now, who would say it? I need more of the fire of God. Come on, 
I need the fire of God blazing and burning in my life. I want you to come down. Come down right now. Come down to some of these. Come on. And guys, I want you to pray boldly over them. I want you to. <laughs> They're ready to receive. Who else needs the fire of God burning and blazing in their heart? We're going to need more. Dad, do you mind? Yeah. Yeah, come on, Zach. Shauna. We're going to press right on into worship. And guys, I'm believing for a breakthrough in your life today. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? Where are you challenging me? Where are you convicting me? And I want you to put action to it today. I want you to put action to it before you leave. Some of you, you need to press into praise and worship. Some of you, you need to lift your hands for the very first time boldly before the Lord. Some of you, like I said, you need to come down or, or even in the aisles and you, you, need to, you need to put your face down on the floor before the Lord because you recognize there's been too much of you and too little of him inside. And you need to make that your prayer. God, more of you and less of me in my life. Some of you, you recognize that there's, you've given the enemy a foothold in your life and there's far too much compromise and you need to, you need to repent. And I just encourage you even right now to begin to repent before the Lord. Begin to, begin to spell these things out to him and, and say, Lord, I am sorry for these things that I've put before you. I'm sorry for these areas where I've opened up the door in my life to things that I shouldn't have. I'm sorry for these repetitive sins, these things that I keep going back to. I recognize that you are enough and I accept your freedom in my life today. I declare that I am free and that I have victory in you. We're gonna press in. Let me tell you, Everything that you've ever wanted from him is available right now. It's up to you whether you're going to receive it. So I encourage you to press in and be ready to receive exactly what you need. Guys, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So stretch out and do something different and out of the ordinary. Worship the Lord with abandon and allow him to move in your heart and life. In Jesus' name, let's lift up our voices. Let's sing and worship. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.